Got to get a job, 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 got to get a proper job, got to get a 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 proper job, got to get a 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 job, got to got to get a proper job. I've got one! Hello, I'm Ollie Double. I'm a lecturer in drama at the University of Kent, and this is the Proper Job Gradcast, in which we explore how a degree in drama can lead to all kinds of interesting careers in the arts. This podcast will be interesting to you if you are thinking of studying drama at Kent, or you're currently studying drama at Kent and thinking what you might do in the future, or, you know, you're just interested in things. In every episode, I interview a Kent drama graduate working in the arts, but this time I've got two of them, because I'm talking to Kaya Brown and Mia Fassa. Now, Kaya uh, has just started a new job uh, involving uh, promoting classical music, and Mia is uh, in education. But the reason I'm talking to them is because they've just started their own animation company called Stigglypop, which is a fantastic name. Now, at the moment, it's very early days for Stigglypop. They've just released two videos on uh, YouTube, which you could check out, and you should, Stigglypop. It's just Google Stigglypop, you'll find it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really interesting listening to them because they're at the very beginning of a career in, um, in, in a creative sort of job of their own making. And uh, so I thought that that would be a really interesting thing to listen to, you know, not that long out of university, just starting out. Uh, but they say some very interesting things. So let's not waste any more time. Let's have a listen to Kaya and Mia. Actually, one thing I will say just before I play you the interview is that um, Mia is actually living in New Zealand at the moment. And there's a moment where she sort of drops out of the conversation um, because her Zoom connection goes down. Also, if there's any weird audio, that's also because it was recorded over Zoom. But nonetheless, I think you'll enjoy spending time in their company because they are ace. So here they are, Kaya Brown and Mia Fassa. Okay, so um, I'm Kaya Brown. I graduated in 2019 um, in the summer. And Mia, you graduated? Oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Mia Fassa, and I gra- graduated in 2018. Right. Uh, so, but you, got, you knew each other at university, is that right? Yes, yeah. we did. Kaya so went abroad for a year. That's why she graduated later. Right. So we met yeah. in... Um, our empty space class in first year. That's what we yeah. Met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys met in your your core module in the first year. Yeah, that was yeah. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, we were putting a, a group together, and then oh yeah, we were yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's 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 really interesting. So so actually a connection that you made between the two of you while studying is something that's hopefully going to you know carry you yeah. forward into creative futures. Yeah. I oh think, yeah. Um, I think when we like were put in a group, what we were doing was something to do with an, uh, a primary school um, it was. nursery rhyme or something like that. So it's it's weird how it's gone full circle. Into... Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's pick up on that. So what is your current job and what kind of things does it entail? Well, that's the standard question, but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to sort of narrow it down a little bit. So I know that you've just started this production company for animation. So can you start by telling us a bit about that? Um, so we, we during the early stages of lockdown, we hadn't talked to each other for a while because I'm in New Zealand and she was in England and we wanted to catch up. And on this call, 
we were both just talking about our futures and what we were so nervous about, like what was going to happen. I was definitely nervous about what was going to happen. And then I re I was talking to her about an idea that I was thinking behind the scenes and it was to do with animation. And then when I started to talk about that, Kaya um, <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, I was, I was literally thinking this. I've, I've been thinking this for the last couple of years. And then we kind of just, um, I don't know, it just it formed from that. And it, it was, it, everything fell into place, I would say. Yeah, because um, I think like our interests, they, we didn't realise how much they aligned because I'd always wanted to get into children's entertainment and I would always talk about that. Um, and then I really enjoyed just sort of looking at audio and voice acting and things like that. I never thought to connect the dots and, and Mia's always been interested in animation. So once we actually had the conversation and then it was like, we can actually sort of do this. So it was really, yeah, just sort of worked. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, sorry, you can go. Uh, uh, well, no, I was just going to say, and Stigley Pop's at very early stages of development mm. at the moment. So can you tell me about how you got it set up and where you see it going from here? So the first thing that we did was establish who was going to do what role, because if one person did animating and one person did sound and more of the storylines, then we can split the work up because there's just two of us and it's quite difficult to manage all these different aspects of animation that, um, you know, that you have to, you, you don't really think about. So we established our roles and we established um, a good research into what we needed to have as a basis because we're both learning new skills i i decided i wanted to do the animating because i've always been interested in animation and i did that at university of kent i studied um animated worlds it was animated worlds in the film in the film course and then kaya was has always been interested in writing and mm -hmm. we were like oh that's great she can start writing and she will and then she decided to do the sound as well so because she's done some voice voice work as well is that right kaya yeah, in um, on my year abroad, I did a bit of uh, voice acting on a course as well, which I got really interested in. And then the writing, I've always just written little stories, little poems. Um, just growing up, my dad was always like, let's create a story. So that was what we used to do as kids. So I just, I just practiced that. And then I thought I could actually do something with this. So after the research, we, we mm -hmm. found out all the things we needed. So I needed uh, a certain, certain amount of software and I watched all these tutorials and I self-taught myself, self-taught, I taught myself um, the basics of animating and Kaya ta taught herself the basics of sound production and she already knew how to write. And um, from then on, we've just progressively been getting um, quicker and yeah. um, we, we've been watching a lot of videos to help us how to, um, manage a business and we have all these different google docs google sheets and everything to track everything okay so so that's about how you sort of did the the creative aspects of it but um mm. at the moment you've got a couple of uh videos up on your youtube channel so how do you see it developing from here so we want to go into just uh producing as many videos as possible um the next one we have coming up is sort of going into the education we want to try and teach children things. So the next one is actually about um, Chinese New Year. 
um, and he wants to sort of <laughs> educate children on that and they can show it in schools and things like that. Um, and then we want to work on, we hopefully want to work on different songs as well. Um, and then we can incorporate the curriculum and entertainment as well. So we, we don't want it to just be um, entertainment. We want to, you know, work on that. So hopefully within um, the next year, we'll be able to produce about a couple of videos a month. Um, but because it is just two of us, we're sort of just hoping to do as much as possible um, at, and at a good standard. Okay, and 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 what's the the kind of business side? I mean, you're, we talk mainly about sort of creative aspects. What what's the sort of business side of it? How is this going to end up making you money? So we're hoping in the future to go into. Um, we want to talk to different investors. We want to sort of talk to different people, get it out there. Um, so that right now we're just trying to get it out there. But then, oh, let's back. And then um, we want to do sort of. We want to we'd love to go into merchandising our characters. Really push the characters. We can start of. Um, it, this is very much in the future, but just sort of creating. You know, I would love to have sort of toys and things out there. You bet. But I mean, is there a Hi, sorry, you dropped out for a second, Mia. Thank you. It's good to see you back. So, um, but I mean, in terms of the videos themselves, is the idea that you'll you'll eventually, through uh, increasing the number of views, uh, be able to get money through advertising from from Facebook? Mm -hmm. And uh, YouTube. Oh, sorry, from YouTube. Sorry, I, just, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking YouTube, and I said Facebook. I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because when on YouTube, when you get a certain number of of um, uh, views, you can yeah, they'll start asking you if you want to advertise, right? Yeah. Yes. So it's um, what's the minutes, Mia? It's four thousand minutes and one thousand subscribers. You have to have a, a minimum of in one year period. Okay. So um, once you hit that mark, you can start adding um, adverts on your videos. And, and, and how much do I mean? This is really interesting because I mean I genuinely don't know about this stuff. I mean I know vaguely, but so what? What? Uh, uh, so 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 the idea would be to build your audience on YouTube, mm -hmm. and yes, and course. to the point where the, the where you'll start to get money through advertising. So what? Once you get to that level of a thousand subscribers and four thousand minutes per year, um, what kind of levels of money will YouTube pay you for for your channel? Well, it actually varies that there's no set mark on how much you'll get. A lot of YouTubers out there don't like to divulge into how much they do get because it just, it changes so much, but um, it's usually a basis on how many minutes watched and how long you're, how many, how long they watch the advert for. So however long the people watch the advert, you get more money. And if someone clicks on it, clicks on the advert you get money and so yeah so obviously the more views you get the more money you will you will probably have um and it's quite it's it's not the only source of income that we're hoping for because as a lot of youtubers out there have said it's not it's not it, it won't be as much as everyone thinks it's going to be it's not going to be millions and millions of dollars most of um most of their income actually does come from merchandise or something that they're selling or sponsorships. But um, for us, I don't, I think we're, we're going to go into, I don't know if Kaya mentioned this, but we're going to go into merchandise and hopefully in the future, 
just grow our brand outside of YouTube because just basing it off of YouTube, you won't you won't make up make too much. You won't make millions. Yeah. <laughs> and presumably, if you kind of build an audience and also sort of develop your your art and, and your craft, um, you know, the, the, if if you manage to become successful in that forum, then presumably mainstream broadcasters would be more interested in what you're doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's also a, a factor that we could go into um we haven't actually thought about um broadcast broadcasters or anything like that or selling it but that is also something that can happen um reaching out to different production companies and different um like i said investors and then sort of look at it that way um and then that will be just another way to make money that's brilliant so okay so now the next thing is at the moment presumably i mean it's going to be a wild before you're able to make money from Stigley Pop. Um, and uh, so what, what are you doing for now to be, to be able to sort of, you know, uh, pay the bills and so on? I just finished working at a nursery. Um, and tomorrow, actually, I'm starting an, a new job as an artist coordinator for um, a, a company called Polyart, which is a sort of classical music uh, agency. So that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. <laughs> Wow. So you are actually, you've got, in a sense, you've got two creative jobs because you've got Stigley Pop, which is a kind of in development thing. And you're also working for, a, you know, in a creative job to do with music and so on. That's amazing. Mia, how yeah. about you? I, um, I, I've been in, in Hong Kong. I used to live in Hong Kong and in Hong Kong, I used to teach. Um, I was teaching English drama and um animating actually there was a course for for an animation course so i taught that and um here at the moment in new zealand i'm a teacher aide in a high school so yeah okay that's cool but also what's quite interesting is uh so you you're you're working with kids i mean albeit a slightly older demographic than you're aiming your, your animations at and kaya until recently you've been working with kids so the the whole thing works really well together um I, I've got some more questions to do with the podcast, but I do want to pick up on more things to do with Stigley Pop because I think it's really interesting. First of all, I really like your logo, by which I mean not just the image, but also the little kids shouting the the name. So yeah. how how did you I mean, how did you get that recorded? Um so it was a lot of running around, especially with everything up in the air with COVID. Um so before it was luckily it was before this second lockdown. Um so it was with the different sounds, like the worm sort of squeaking, that was um, literally me with a, a wipe, like a wipe, um, window wipe on, on a bit of glass. <laughs> and then I asked a friend to blow up a balloon um, and then sort of got mayonnaise for a splat and <laughs> things like that. And then I, I um, know a child who, she's about seven or eight, recorded her and then I sort of just duplicated her voice loads of times for the stiggly pop. <laughs> oh, it sounds really good. It sounds like a whole crowd of kids. D- yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I just did it loads of times, changed the pitch, the times and all of that. And then, yeah, and then that's our logo. Um, that's... It, it was really fun sort of just creating all these sounds out of things that I, I was sort of just looking around my room thinking, oh, this makes a good sound and then <laughs> go and do it. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, diversity, um, because obviously that's something that's um, really important in in the sort of public agenda at the moment. 
Um, and, you know, the characters you... I mean, obviously, some of them aren't even human, right? So that's quite diverse. But the, the, the ch child characters are, are diverse. How important was that to you? It was really important. I think I... We definitely... We spoke about it at the beginning. Um, and I thought, I think our first animation... I, I, like all of them, we want to just have as many different um, characters in it as possible um, and be inclusive, you know, to everyone. But the first one, I remember sitting there and I just thought, I really, really would like um, them to be of a BAME background, um, yeah. the children and the parents in it. Um, and it, just because I think it's important um, with representation, it, it's nice for children to... Um, especially, you know, of minorities to look at an animation and to see themselves in there and think, oh, that could be me. And um, I remember being young and if you did, you know, see someone that sort of looked like you, you'd be really excited. Um, and you think that that, that is you. Um, so it would be nice to just do as much of that as possible, really. And I think it's important, especially with everything going on today. Um, I think everyone, yeah, I think it's the right time for it, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I th it's interesting because um, something that I've noticed that I think, I, I've no idea how this change came about because I know that we wanted to, to, to have a change like this, but at Kent, you know, when I first started working at Kent, which was over 20 years ago now, uh, it wasn't particularly a diverse student body. And then at a certain point, it became a lot more diverse, particularly people of colour. Um, it's not that there weren't any before, but there just there was a much bigger kind of um, section of the student body studying drama. And obviously that enriched things for everybody. Um, um, but I think that that's also true of sort of children's entertainment, that, that it's really important for kids of all different sort of demographics to be able to see themselves represented in the way that you really kind of um, movingly <laughs> described a moment ago, Kaya. Mm, yeah, it's, I think it's really important. I think you see in um, nurseries as well. So the nursery I'm working at, I've, I've just finished working at, you definitely see um, children when there's a book down in, in a corner, they do like to pick up books where they think they recognize themselves and they will bring, they'll run over to you. They're only about one years old and they run over to you and they want you to read that book. And you can tell it's, it's, it's a very important um, thing and it's important teaching um, for them because be a lot more confident in themselves as well when they grow up. Um, and as well, just for, for other children, seeing different um, people, it, it's not such a strange idea. It's for, you know, sort of a young white child to sit next to um a young black child and you know they call each other sisters or something and then you know it's, it's just not they're so innocent it's not um in their minds of you know prejudice or anything like that nothing's you know it's very innocent we want to carry on that practice yeah and I think it's something that in general in in, in sort of children's entertainment has been has in a way been more progressive than adult entertainment in British television, for example. I mean, if you look at something like CBeebies, um, they've had quite diverse presenters for oh, I'd say at least ten years. I, mean, I know from watching my own children grow up. Um, so you know, um, not just in terms of ethnicity, but also. Um, there was a presenter who who only had one hand and things. And some parents weirdly complained about that. Um, yeah. But but I think I think those kind of issues of representation are really important, and it, and it's actually yeah, like I say, I think children's entertainment to some extent has led the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, 
like shaping the shaping them <laughs> for the future because they will be eventually you know they'll be taking care of all of us so important <laughs> yeah absolutely so so you've already sort of started answering this question right right at the beginning but one of the questions I always ask in this podcast was how did studying drama at Kent help you get to where you are now in other words what, what was it about studying drama at Kent that gave you the skills or the interest to start Stigley Pop um so for drama um I did a joint honours, so I did film and drama. And mostly for me, um, the, the course Animated Worlds helped me a million times just to see the, back, the, the, diff, the diversity of animation and how you can do all these different forms and how um, you can be really, really, really creative with it. And you don't have to just do very simple things. I, that's what I love about animation. I think that in in drama or in film or some anything like that, you'd have to have a huge budget to do some of the things that you want to maybe do in an animation. And so, um, yeah, Animated Worlds really helped me. Um, and script writing, I think, also did help a lot. And directing, um, because directing, we're directing our our company we're we're in charge now we're <laughs> um we're the ones taking taking all the shots so yeah those were those would be the main um modules that I would that's that stick out to me um how about you Kai? um for me there were so many that I did actually I did I mentioned the the um module that I did with you Ollie actually the alternative and when, when we looked at alternative comedy, that got me out of my shell a lot because that was something I didn't think I could be funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that really helped me get out of my shell. Um, and then in my year abroad, I did, like I've mentioned the voice acting that I did um, as well. And even just going back to, you know, the core modules that we were meant to be started with empty space when we were told to, um, it was sort of just an open space. And they said, go in the middle and just do something. Um, and I found myself a lot of the things that I would come up with were to do with children's entertainment. Just, I think that's just my go-to. Um, so whether it was pretending to be a child or, you know, presenting for children. So that's what I sort of went, I think just from then it was just always there. And then in my final year as well, I did, um, autobiographical yeah autobiographical uh, theatre so that was when exploring gender and exploring representation in um, theatre and different ways to do it so that I really enjoyed that course a lot and that just sort of opened my mind just I started researching things that um, I don't think um, we knew about before um, there was a lot of essays and case studies on gender um, and representation which I thought was really interesting so just yeah definitely just opened my mind to different things and so much there's so much to drama and theatre that I think a lot of people don't realise as well. Thank you that's really interesting and one of the things I pick out from you the two two sets of answers that you've given from the two of you would be that it's a combination in a way of things that you 
have your eye open to you know new subjects like animation or whatever that you didn't realize much around or you know autobiographical theater or but a mixture of that and also what you bring to it because you know drama at Kent has been designed partly to allow students to sort of follow their own interests so you know you're doing the empty space and you're able within that module I mean it's not called that anymore but anyway it doesn't matter the the you know the the kind of introductory core module at the beginning is allows you to explore different things depending on your your own interests. Fantastic. There's only one more question that I have, and I ask this to everybody. This podcast is called the Proper Job Gradcast, right? And it's based on the idea that if you do drama, people are going to tell you that you're never going to get a proper job. So my question to you two is, what would you say to people who say that a drama degree won't lead to a proper job? First of all, you can do anything if you really apply yourself, but also don't panic once you graduate and sort of just think, oh, what have I done? I can't do anything because, you know, we're still so young. We've still got so much time ahead of ourselves. And um, I think within, especially now with everything going on with the COVID, um, everyone's sort of just panicked saying, I shouldn't be doing this. I've met a few um, students going into university who have not wanted to do drama because they don't know where they're going to end up. Um, and I said, you, you, you'll be fine. Just... <laughs> you know, take it bit by bit. Um, and also there's so many um, jobs out there. There's so many different forums you can join, which is what I did in the beginning, sort of like uh, creative access. I sort of went on there. There's, lo there's loads of different places where there are creative jobs up. And even if you do have to work for free, it's just worth it, just worth doing what you want to do um, instead of just doing what, you know, someone else wants you to do and doing the sensible thing. <laughs> Yeah, I would say um, I've definitely, when when I graduated from university, I was like what Kaya said, I was freaking out about my future. Now, I was, I kept hearing things from people that were saying, oh, you're not going to get a proper job. You're, you're always going to be floating around the world like a hippie. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not the case. Um, there's so many jobs that you can do that, you can take all your skills from drama, whether it be backstage, on stage, um, creative aspects to it. It doesn't just have to be, it can be anything to do with presenting in front of people, writing, um, the lighting of a stage, literally anything can help you get different jobs. For example, I was teaching in Hong Kong, I was teaching and I was um, teaching a after school curriculum course for animation. And I would never have thought, oh, I can probably go and do some courses to teach kids about creative aspects and things that you can do. And also they, in Hong Kong, they do really value performance. They value how you can speak, how um, you enunciate, how you present yourself on stage. And they have speech competitions, which I um, directed a performance for um, open days, for schools. There's just so many things that you didn't think that drama would help you, but it really, really does in many aspects. And it really does help your, your what's the word? Um, confidence yeah. and talking to people, even just talking to someone, 
you can have a great conversation because you've had all this experience moving about being a tree, being a snail on the floor. <laughs> you can just, <laughs> it really does help you in life <laughs> to be creative. And also don't lose that. Don't lose that. I, for a moment after graduating, I kind of lost that. I forgot that my skill is being creative. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, cause I always thought I want to be an actor and since since it didn't really go that way, I always thought, oh, I can't really do anything else. I don't know what else I would be good at, but I'm really good at being creative in different aspects. And it doesn't just have to be the one that you thought you were going to university for. So yeah, really explore what you love is what I would say. That's Kaya and Mia there. Uh, do check out Stigley Pop. It's S-T-I-G-G-L-Y-P-O-P. And uh, yeah, you'll find some of their animations there on on uh, YouTube, but you can follow them on Facebook and all that. I think it's really interesting hearing people starting out on a massive creative project. And obviously nobody knows what's going to happen to Stigglypop. It's still such early days, but hearing their perspective right now when they're just creating something is is a really interesting thing to do. And I particularly like when Kaya says about we're still really young, because I think when you're in your early 20s, you can tend to think of yourself as being rather old. You know, you, you, if, you, if you're 19, you think of as a 21-year-old as being impossibly ancient. But in fact, of course, 21 is still young. Um, 23 is still young. 25 is still young. In your 20s is still young. Actually, to be honest, in your 30s is still young in this day and age. And the, the, the idea that you have to get your career up and fixed by the time you know, you, you're out of nappies. Uh, well, that's nonsense, isn't it? So yeah, there we are. Thank you very much to Kaya and Mia for talking to me for this podcast. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Proper Job Gradcast. Got to, got to get a proper job.